the rent minus parenthesis the monthly insurance plus the monthly property taxes close parenthesis times 115 plus 10% minus repairs equals the OFV. Perfect. Jamil Gibbs here. Welcome to another podcast episode. Today we have another special guest. And I wanted to bring this special guest on primarily because he's bought over 2,000 houses. So I was just uh, talking with him right before we we jumped on a line. And he said he bought, what was it? uh, You said for every five days you bought a house in your local area? I I bought a house in or about my hometown of San Antonio, Texas. Every four to five days for 22 years. That is crazy. I've been in the business 24 years, but I took two years off, so I didn't want to count that. Got it, got it. So every, um, imagine that, guys. 24 years in a business and buying a house every four to five days in your local market. That's over 2,000 houses, all right? But uh, he has a lot of experience. One of the books that I, that, and this is when we've met just a, a few years ago, I was introduced to you through this book, uh, the, the one regarding owner financing uh, through a, a, a colleague of ours, she introduced me and, and I had a chance to meet up with Mitch. I was actually on his podcast a couple of years ago as well, but uh, just an awesome guy. He knows exactly what he's talking about uh, in the real estate investing business. And this is exactly why I wanted to get him on the line for you guys to learn from him as well. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm glad to see you got a podcast, man. You have such a big personality. You got to have a podcast. We got to get you, you know, some of Mr. Gibbs around the, around the whole nation. Oh man, I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I started this primarily to help other investors, obviously. And, and, and that's exactly what we do. Uh, but to get the information out there, there's so many different types of people and, and different uh, aspects of the real estate investing business. And we can benefit from the information and podcasts, in my opinion, are the best way to share that information with the general public. So, uh, you know, I really wanted to uh, start this podcast. Number one, I continue to learn and I've been in the business for 20 years and I I constantly learn from other investors, even newer investors. You know, I, I try to pick something up from somebody all the time. But in addition to that, I know that the newer investors can benefit from this information as well. So uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, Mitch? Well, all this in seven, seven dollars will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Okay. So here you go. Um, <laughs> I didn't find my butt with both hands until I was 34 years old. Now I was a hard worker and I always had the entrepreneurial spirit. So I always had the, the, the bartending job at night. So I had some money in my pocket. And then I always had the, um, the entrepreneurial effort of the month that would take all my money. And, you know, I, I, I was learning at the School of Hard Knocks. And the yeah. School of Hard Knocks has a very high tuition rate. It'll take everything you've got. Yep. I, like to, I like to tell people I graduated from La Calle U. That's the street in, in Spanish. In <laughs> my town, San Antonio, Texas, about 65% Hispanic. So, um, so then I, I kind of accidentally flipped some houses one day 
And uh, I say accidentally, you know, I bought it because I wanted to own it and then I sold it and I made some money and I thought, I didn't mean to do that, but that sure was nice, you know? And so it's kind of like my whole story is like, I, oh, that's what they've been talking about. You know, I just accidentally did what they were talking about. Right. And then I started going out and bought my first hundred houses on credit cards. Cause back in the day, you know, 20 something years ago in San Antonio, Texas, which still probably has some of the most affordable houses in the nation. Um, I could buy a house for $15,000, $20,000, $25,000, $12,000, you know? And, and so I just put them on my credit cards. I, I went out and got 45 credit cards, but back in the day, they didn't count how many credit cards you had or how much available uh, non-recourse advances you could get. Right. That was before that day. So I just, I caught on to that real fast. I didn't have any money. No bank was going to loan me any money because I didn't have a track record. And so I just started going out and buying houses on credit cards. I said, give me 10,000 on this card and give me 10,000 on this card. That'll buy the house. And then give me 10,000 on this card and that'll fix the house. <laughs> And then I go out and I'll go sell it owner finance on a, for 60,000 with maybe 5,000 down or 6,000 down. And that'll give me a note of 54,000. And then I'll sell that $54,000 note for, I don't know, as cheap as 44,000. Yeah. And I still make another $14,000. You know what I mean? So I love those kind of deals, man. Love them, love them, love them. So let, let's take a step back for a second. So you, you said you accidentally got into real estate. Um, was that by pursuing a, let's say, a, a rental property at first and then it became a flip? Like, how, how did all of that happen? Well, I mean, I, 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 went, I wanted my own house. I was bartending. I was uh, 21 years old, maybe. Um, guy at my bar said, you want to buy my condo? It's right down the, right down the street down here. It's a one-bedroom little condo and I'll sell it to you for $30,000 or whatever. Uh, and I said, I don't have $30,000. And he said, just give me 3000 down and, and, I'll, and you can make payments to me. Owner finance. Okay. So it. I did. So I made my payments. And then that got me kind of interested because I really liked owning my own thing. I had my own house as my place, you know, my first time to ever own my own mm -hmm. place. And I was, you know, of course, very proud of it and very proud of myself. And and uh, felt like a sense of accomplishment or, you know, I'd done something good. And then a, a, another apartment came up down the way or a condo came up and it was a two bedroom, two bath. And it was very beautiful, much, much nicer than mine. It had room and vaulted ceilings and a fireplace and a sunken living room. And I said, man, I got to have that one. And I devised this plan where if I rented out my first one and I rented out the second room in the new one, I would be living for free. I mean, right. I was doing the math and I, I, I have this revelation, like I'm inventing real estate for myself right now. Like this has been going on for decades, the centuries since the dawn of time. And I'm just now like discovering it for myself by myself. Figuring it out. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so I, so I buy the other one and I rent out the room and I rent out the con and I don't have anything. And then I started hearing about special assessments and that these places were older and there was rumblings that, you know, that, that, that I was hearing about that condos can have special assessments and some of those special assessments cost 10 or $15,000 just for your, for your, for you, your share. And I thought, man, if that ever happens to me, I'm sunk. Yeah. So I think I better sell these and I better like get in the house where that can't happen to me and I'll, I'll move yeah. over to the house. So then I sold them. I put like $45,000 in the bank. I sold them both like within a week of each other. And I had $45,000 in the bank, which was 
more than I made for a whole year's worth of work, you know? And wow. then that's when the light bulb went off. It's like, there's some money in this. <laughs> I think I better, you know, look into this a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about this road. So you've, you know, since then you've obviously been able to uh, get on this road to, um, you know, 2000 houses in that time frame that you've been investing. Uh, let, let's talk about how that actually happened. How did you, how were well, you able so, to So this is 21, 22. And then the, then in, in 86, you know, 1986, the, the tax reform act gets passed and the whole country real estate goes into the tank. Um, they basically took away a bunch of tax write-offs and made them retroactive like two or three years prior. Mm -hmm. And so everyone that was all these wealthy people that were investing for tax write-offs just got taken to the cleaners. The property values collapsed, everything. So here I am, you know, young guy in the middle of a recession. And so no one's loaning any money or anything. And I don't feel like I can do anything because I don't have any money really to speak of. I mean, I keep my head above water, but that's about it really. Um, And then I hadn't learned about private money. I didn't believe in, you know, anyone would loan me money. I didn't think anyone would loan me money. I knew the banks wouldn't, but you know, and I had good credit. I, it's not that I didn't have good credit because I had to have good credit to get all those credit cards eventually in the future. But so um, I laid low and, and then I went from 21, 22, 23, doing a little, doing those little things. And then I went all the way beyond that doing no, no real estate till I was like 34 ish. And then, uh, I started reading like Robert Allen's nothing down and I started getting some information in, in. That's old school right there, man. Well, <laughs> I got Allen. pissed off. Yeah. I got pissed off. I got Robert Allen and Carlton sheets and Dave Del Dotto. And yeah. I mean, the yeah. old, old school, guys. Man. The I, old I, I had a Carlton sheets course back in when I was in high school in, in the late nineties, that was the first real estate course. And probably the only one that I've ever actually been through. And uh, this was back in like 98, 99. And then I ended up buying uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was the first book I ever read for cover to cover. And uh, that's kind of how I got my start. Uh, in addition to, you know, I, I went down to Wall Street. After Wall Street, after 9-11, I ended up uh, getting into real estate at that point. But funny story, I was actually working as an intern in a real estate office in Brooklyn uh, when I was 14. So in junior high school. So I kind of always been around real estate. Uh, I didn't know I was going to end up as a real estate uh, investor, but that's kind of how I, I got my start in it as well, man. So I'm sure you had some challenges in the beginning. You want to talk about some of those challenges you had? The biggest challenge was, the biggest challenge was you know, at 25, I looked like I was 14. I was, <laughs> that's a good problem to have, man. <laughs> you know, well, not back then. I, I even, you know, like, <laughs> Got my real estate at one time, but who wants to buy real estate from a guy who looks like he's in his, like he's 16 years old, you know? Uh-huh. So yeah. I had my real estate license, I think, when I was 22. Because when I had this little flash of, of success with real estate, I gravitated towards it, but I couldn't sell any, I couldn't get a client to save my life. I was gotcha. just, you know, I wasn't mentally ready. I wasn't mature enough to, I didn't know anything about the world. I didn't know yeah. how it worked. I didn't know anything. And, uh, and, and so then I, I read Robert Allen, nothing down, who had the audacity to, to suggest that I could buy property with no money. And I thought, well, damn, if I got, I should be able to buy the whole town because I'm broke as hell. 
you know, Jamel, reading a concept and owning it in your heart is two different things. Yeah. So even though I read that whole book and I understood how they were doing it, it's like, but it won't work for me because I just didn't. And then one day I accidentally negotiated a nothing down deal. I say accidentally. I read, had read somewhere it says, never let a deal die on your side of the table. Always push back something you can do. Mm -hmm. Let them kill it. So I, I can definitely relate to that. Guy. What? I can relate to that when you said, uh, if it, if it, basically, if it's not in your heart, it's not going to get done. And I can relate to that personally because you know how many times, you know, I, I had, you know, I, I got a good buddy of mine who used to work with me in my REI uh, company. He used to tell me to do stuff. And we're talking 2012, 13. He was like, dude, you got a YouTube page. Jump on YouTube. Jump on YouTube. Be consistent. Get a podcast going. You know, do this. And in my mind, it sounded great, but it wasn't in my heart until recently. I'm like, you're thinking, you're thinking the, the mistake that people make on a whole bunch of levels is you think it's about you. Like, who yeah. wants to hear from me? No, it's right. not about you. It's who are you talking to? What are you talking about? Yep. It has nothing to do with you, you know, as long as you can carry a conversation, you know what I mean? And, and now, you know, we're, we're talking years later, you know, I'm at a point now where I'm really starting to grow my, my, my channels again. When I should have been doing this, I had the ability to do this years, 10 years ago, you know? So, but, I, you know, when, when you, sometimes you, people give you advice and you just don't, Take you're, not ready. you're not ready to receive it. Exactly. You know, so I'm sure be the great, be the greatest information in the world. But if you're not ready or you don't, be, you don't believe that you can, then you can't. Right. And, and I was stuck in that thing. So, I, but I was trying to exercise things that I learned. And the guy said, don't ever let a deal die on your side of the table. Always make an offer that you can do and push it back. No matter how ridiculous it is. Huh. At least because don't, don't kill your own deal. Let them kill it. Don't kill it. Never kill your own deal. You know? So, 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 so I, I, mm -hmm. I negotiated this deal with this guy whose father had died and the fourplex, um, it was a fourplex and, and, and the son inherited it. And one of the tenants had taken over during the debacle, during the, 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 the mess up, you know, during the, the death and the estate and all that one of the tenants had taken it upon themselves, a gangster-like guy, to just start collecting the rent from everybody every month. And the guy was intimidating. I saw him. I, I had to deal with him. And I, I, he had I his cousin him. Vinny with him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't, the kid that inherited was about as clueless as I was, but, but, but I had been through athletics and I, uh, my daddy was a Marine and I knew, I knew how to strap it on, whether, I, whether I won or I lost, you know, you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hang in there with you. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it won't be worth it at the end of the day. I don't care who you are. You know, I'll take a piece of you home, an eyeball, an ear or something. <laughs> so I, I had a different attitude than this kid that inherited. He was just purely frightened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, well, this guy's going to be hard to beat, but you know, <laughs> we'll figure something out. So, so um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a big nugget on you here. So, Anyways, I didn't have any money, so I'm negotiating for this deal. And I got his price down, and then he, and then I just came up with an excuse. I said, but uh, he said, well, I need 20000 down. And I, I didn't know what to do, so I let the conversation drop. I left. I came back. I, I thought. I looked at my Robert Allen books. I said, okay. I went back and said, I got 20000 
but I got to put it into the property because it needs all these, it's all in disrepair. I promise I put it in, but, and I can't make any payments for a year. So you need to give it to me at zero down and no payments for a year. That's because I was going to figure out how I was going to get some money. And I thought I'm going to fix it up like in 30, 60 days, I'll rent it. And I don't have some money in a year to give him. So that's what I did. And, and, and I got it. I, I got this guy out because, uh, I also learned a long time ago, if, if you got bad tenants and they won't leave, first thing you do is you have them run for warrants. And if they have warrants it's, that they're not reporting to, then, then it's going to be real easy to get them out. And oh, lo and behold, 60, 70% of the thugs that I had that wouldn't leave me alone and wouldn't get out of my house and wouldn't pay the rent, I could get them out real easy without having to go through due process by just letting them know, look, you got a warrant out for your arrest. You ain't out by tonight at seven o'clock. My Only friend, cops. <laughs> my, my, my friend, my personal friends at the police department are going to come arrest you. You know what I mean? So wow. there's a nugget. Right that's, there. A, that's a golden nugget right there, man. So what, what's some of the best advice that you've gotten uh, just getting started in a real estate business? Well, it's a, there's different nuggets at different times, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you go through right. the different levels. But the, one of the biggest revelations was finding the money for deals had nothing to do with me. It was about the deal. I could be a one-eyed alien from Mars. I could be Charles Manson in a jail cell. It didn't matter if I could pledge a $200,000 house collateral and all I needed was 50,000 in the first position to buy it. The, the warden of the jail should have given Manson that loan. It didn't matter how many people he killed because the worst thing can happen to the warden is he's going to get paid as agreed with the interest rate they agreed on, or he's going to get the $200,000 house for the $50,000 investment. So who cares how many right. people he killed? Pay me or don't pay me. Now, in this particular scenario, you have to use some street smarts. Mm -hmm. If you go around making deals with people that kill people, you might be the next person they kill. <laughs> <laughs> so, don't Very take my true. example too far. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Now, now, let's talk about some of the marketing strategies. Obviously, you, you've been around for a long time, right? If we're going back to when you first started investing in real estate and we're looking at the strategies you're using right now to find these same deals that you would have found, you know, 25. Well, you're killing me, ago. man. You're aging me like crazy. <laughs> here we go. 24 years ago, it was, it was beautiful and it was sad at the same time. Actually, uh -huh. it was more beautiful. 24 years ago, there wasn't HGTV crap and there wasn't a thousand people in every corner trying to flip a house. And mm -hmm. you could get in the classifieds at eight o'clock. And you can have a perfectly good deal by 12 on any day of the week. You just had to go out there and pick one, get one. They would all work, you know, or maybe a couple of them would work, but there was so many and you can make a deal. If you screwed up, you would get two deals and you wouldn't know how you're going to pay for them. <laughs> you didn't know how you was going to pay for the one deal. And now you got two deals. Right. And, and, um, so it was a classifieds and the same thing with the sales. You, you put money in the classifieds. How do you find houses a day? completely more sophisticated. You have to be on top of your game because there's a lot more competition. The world right. has caught on to this. You know, there's a guru on every corner. Yep. Might be me and it might be him or it might be someone else saying you can do it. Yep. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, when, when I started back in 2002 and I'm, and I'm just 
aging myself a little. I'm not, I'm not even 40 yet, man. So <laughs> oh, yeah, rub it in, rub it in. But, <laughs> but when I started, I started at 21 years old and it, it was funny because it was so easy to do real estate back then. When we, you know, if we fast forward to about 2013, 14, I mean, all of the competition, I saw it coming from like 06, 07. But when we hit 13 and 14 and the competition is just tremendous these days. And that's because it's easy to invest in real estate today. You know, a lot of people didn't experience that crash like Mitch and I did. And, you know, I know, you know, from our previous conversations, you did pretty well during the crash. Is that, is that about right? Oh, no. I, you know, the greatest thing about the buy it with OPM and sell it with other, sell it with seller financing mm -hmm. is that it does really good in the good times, but it booms like crazy in the, uh, in the downtime. Oh yeah. It booms like crazy. So what a great business to be in where yep. you never have to worry when the cycle's going to dip or, you know, you know, it's like, it's good. And then it's gooder. You know, that's what we say. Right. <laughs> I like that. You made up a it's word. Good. Man. And then it's gooder. Good. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so what a business when, when you do good in the good times and you boom in the bad times, it's yeah. like, what a what a godsend what a blessing this business has been to me because i don't even have to worry about cycles mm -hmm. in fact you should have more buyers during the down cycle because a lot of people are getting out of their homes at that point let's talk so, about it for a second so what it, it, you gotta if you're gonna believe in the owner finance strategy mm -hmm. and you're gonna even put it in the category of recession proof and i'll never say that it's recession proof because that's a gigantic huge statement okay yep but if there was ever such thing as a recession-proof business, maybe the, the owner finance strategy, the way that I'm doing it, is, is one of them. Right. If there is such a thing. Okay. So to believe in it, you got to believe, A, that most of the renters out there would rather own if they could make the same monthly commitment. Fact. As, you know, there's $1,000 for rent. They'd rather own if they could pay just $1,000 and own. Okay. Can we agree on that? Now, I don't know. That's, a, that's a, an absolute fact, my friend. Some things you don't have to research too hard. You can just, you just kind of <laughs> ring the bell. You know, like, I don't know if it's 87% of the renters or 75% or so. I don't know what percent it is, but it's more than you'll ever find a house and put them in. You know what I mean? So that's the number one. Number two, we have to agree that the bank's are going to close during the recession. I, I say close. They're just going to tighten up so bad that yep. the, 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 the money to buy, to, to buy stuff with is going to evaporate for a while. So can we agree on those two things? Absolutely. Okay. So now let's go into it. The first thing you got to know is I established my owner finance sales price by backing into the rents because I want to achieve just what I told you that the guy paying a thousand dollars a month rent right across the street from my house can pay is can buy my house because guess what? My P and I, my P I T I payment is a thousand dollars a month. The only separator is, do you have 10% or more for a down payment? So I'm sorting through all these hundreds of thousands of renters to find the ones that want a house bad enough to save a down payment. Mm -hmm. okay? and, they're, and they're fighting over the deal. <laughs> yes. So yes, I averaged nine days on the market in the last 300 deals. Wow, so, so look what's happening. I'm taking the rents and I'm backing in with a formula. You want the formula? Talk to me, man. Okay, guys, guys write this down. $1,000, the rent minus 
parenthesis, the monthly insurance plus the monthly property taxes, close parenthesis, times 115 equals the OFV. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Times 115 plus 10% Minus repairs equals the OFV. Now you guys have heard of the ARV and the MO, MOA, the, MAO, the MAO, the MAO. Yours truly has invented and is about to get the trademark on the OFV. That's the formula for the OFV, the owner financed value. And let's run that back one more time. Hey, let's use real numbers. Yep. Get your pen and paper. You got your pen and paper, Jamal? You got $1,000 rent minus $150 for uh, property taxes minus $50 for insurance equals $850. That's how much this renter has for principal and interest because he's still, whoever's in that house is going to have to pay that insurance and that tax. So that's not our money. We got to take it off. I got $850 to get a PITI payment out. So in order to find what is the price or what's the balance or how do you arrive at an 850 payment? We're gonna use the multiplier 115. Or you could get a financial calculator and you could plug in 850 as the payment, 10% for the interest, 30 years for the uh, term and solve for the balance. Or you could just multiply by 115 because I went to this real smart college graduate guy and said, why do I have to always find this thing? Can't you just give me a multiplier? And he said, yeah. And he figured it out for me. Wow. Awesome, uh, man. Awesome. It'll be real close. It won't be exact, but it'll be so close it's not even worth debating. Because you're going to round it up or down anyways. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So when you multiply 850 times 115, you come out with $78,750, which is $78,000 to me. Okay? So $78,000. Round it so down. It is, yeah. I'm sorry. Ninety. It's $97,750. Ninety-seven thousand seven hundred fifty. So if you, so that's what they can afford to borrow at ten percent for thirty years. So if that's what they can afford to borrow to get an eight fifty PIT, if it, what is the owner finance value or the sales price of this property if I'm going to carry the note? So you add ten percent on top. Ten percent on top is going to look a lot like one hundred and ten thousand dollars, real close. Absolutely. And that's the owner finance value. And guess who gets to say? If it's worth that or not, me, because I'm providing yep. the finance. So I don't need an appraisal. I don't need an appraisal. I can put any price I want. I'm the freaking bank. I'm giving the loan. The only one that has to be happy with what that property's worth is me. That's right. So, so you, you provide the value. You are the bank at that point. So I it doesn't really bank. matter. You know? Yeah. Now, there's Love some, it. don't get me wrong, there's some things we need to address in Dodd Frank. So don't run all the way to the goal line with that ball, but let's just, Let's keep the theory simple right now. So at $110,000, I'm going to ask, I ask for 12% down because if you don't ask, you don't get, but I, but all the minimum for me is 10% down. I average 12% down because guess why? I asked for 12% down and I search for it and I kind of demand it. And so it kind of shows up. You know, if I had been asking for 10% down, I'd only get 10% down. Right. Uh, plus I know some neat little tricks to renegotiate a down payment without looking like a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to me. 
I'll tell you, right, remember to ask me <laughs> today, because I don't want to forget my story. So anyway, this is how I arrive at the owner finance value, because we're getting back to why we boom in a recession. Right. I'm going to ask some questions. Don't, don't think too hard. Don't try to out-trick anything. Um, just say the natural answer. Um, when, a recession, uh, when a recession hits, do the banks tighten up or almost shut down? Yes or no? When the banks, you said when a recession hit, the banks, yes, they do. They tend to yeah, shut down. They tighten up, they shut down. Yep. When the banks shut down and there's less money for people to borrow, what happens to the price of houses? They, when the banks tighten up, the, the price of houses is going down. Yeah, because the availability of money is dried up and most people can't write a check for a house. Right, exactly. Well, the bank just closed. Homes lose value. Yeah. So... When no one can buy a house, what happens to rents? It goes up. Because you, no one can buy a house because the bank's closed. So they're all renters now. A lot exactly. of pressure to put on rents, so they're going up. What is my owner finance value or what is my sales price based on? How much somebody can actually pay. In rent. And rent. on the rent in the right. market. So in the recession, I have the only appreciating house in the whole nation because <laughs> I'm offering seller financing and the rents are going up and I'm backing into the rents to get my sales price. Yeah, that's pretty sick. <laughs> Holy cow. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. So, and the, my bankers didn't want to believe me. These guys got Harvard, you know, Harvard certificates on their wall and all this crap. Right. And here I am telling them my houses are going up in value. They, they say, you're an idiot. I'm going, no, I'm not an idiot. You're an idiot. You know? <laughs> Not only, not, not only are you an idiot, but I make more money than you. <laughs> <laughs> Book closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah, you know, so um, I proved it to him. And I'm getting paid, in this case, ten dollars or $12,000 to create a, a scenario where I got $80, dollars $80, $850 coming in and $350 going out. Because let's say, like, I bought this house for $50,000. There was a time during the recession, Jamel, that I was buying houses for $27,500. Wow. Back the way the prices were 15 years ago or 20 years ago when I started. I recognized it. That's when I got back in the game. I was buying a house a day. Wow. 25, 50 days till I scared myself because I was also the house seller and I didn't have time to sell if I was buying that many. So that's what scared me. I so you made that transition over. Yeah. So look, I was buying houses for like $27,000. And I'm backing into the rents and it says it's, it's worth 59,500 bucks. So I'm selling a hundred percent over my a sales price. And, 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 and all the other houses in the neighborhood, the reason why it's so cheap is 70% of the sales were cash sales because the institutions had shut down. So the very wealthy savvy investors with cash were just plowing their money yep. buying, but, but you know, you know, cash sales are always super low comps you know what i mean mm -hmm, absolutely and so, so the realtors in my area would come by and go these houses got comps all over the place for twenty five thousand dollars who the hell are you and how you, you 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 can't sell this house for 59 in this market boom it'd be sold next day yeah that's because you know a lot of the times you know uh, a lot of realtors don't understand investing they understand sales but not the investing aspect of it so so if we're if we're looking to keep it simple for the average listener right now. Uh, and let's just keep in, keep in mind some newer investors. 
if the average investor listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube or whatever the case may be at this very moment, if they wanted to get started doing what you do, let's give them three simple steps on how they can actually go about doing that. Well, the first thing is you got to figure out where the chaos is. Wealth comes from chaos. I didn't mm -hmm. invent that saying, but it's, it's, it's uh, anonymous. They don't know who invented it, but I like it. And I've been using it my whole life. Uh, wealth, wealth comes from chaos. Where is the chaos in the housing or the real estate market? It's where there's death. It's where there's change. What's change? Death, transfer, um, lack of jobs or loss of jobs, um, health, uh, problems, deployment, uh, you know, there's all, all kinds of things. Right. You got to get in the obituaries. You got to get in the divorces. You got to get into where's the change happening. And you go, I live where at the corner of, of change and it ain't the same. I live right on that corner. <laughs> change and it ain't the same as it was yesterday. I like um, that. And, um, and then you got to learn probably equal to that or maybe even more important than that is number you got to learn how to establish value in a very relatively short period of time within a few minutes you need to have a process on you somewhere close to you that you can be portable with you got to know how to establish value like this because you cannot steal houses in slow motion right you got to and and how in the world can you buy something and expect to sell it for a profit if you can't figure out what the values are in the neighborhood, you have to especially, establish what the value is, and then you got to buy at a discount. Especially with all of the competition that we have these days. You, speed is really your friend. If you're not moving fast enough, those deals are going to slip right between your fingers. That's just a fact. Yeah, the number one thing is get the contract with some days for due diligence and sort right. out whether it's a deal or not later. But get this guy off, get this motivated seller off the market, tie him up, and even sometimes at this point in the game, because these people are getting pretty ruthless, go down and file an affidavit, a memorandum with yep. your contract, like right now. Yep, especially with the amount of competition you have today, uh, that that memorandum is 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 definitely something that you want to keep in mind. And I've seen far too many people lose deals because they're they're just not on well, it like that. Let's just make it for simple for them. How they losing deals is I go in there, I'm the first one there, I negotiate a deal, the guy signs a contract. Uh, and then someone walks in an hour later, right after me and offers $10,000 more and he signs another contract, you know, it's so happened that guy yep. down to close. If you, if you file an affidavit, a memorandum with your contract down at the courthouse, when the title company pulls the search, they're going to see clouded. They're going to be, it's going to be clouded. Like, wow, what's this Mitch Steven guy? He has an affidavit, a memorandum. What he's saying is I got an interest in this property. And before anybody does anything, you better call me. And guess yep. what? My contract's dated before that guy. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's going to win all day long in court. So you're, you're we're on number you're two. You got to live in the chaos and figure out how to market to the people that are in the middle of the chaos. Number two, you got to be a pro at establishing value. Mm -hmm. And number three, you need to learn your paperwork. You got to get your paperwork down pat. These are three of the simplest things. I mean, I think maybe you were expected for a bigger or broader scope. Oh, that's great, for, man. For the first infantile person coming out of the chute, like what really, really almost kept me out of this business was the contracts. I didn't understand them. I was intimidated by them. I didn't know how to fill them out. You know, it almost ran me out. Mm. You know, but someone told me one time, and it might be good advice for anybody, and I've lived with this way all, all my life after that. I told this guy, I said, I'm scared of these contracts. He says, you're scared of, you're, you're, you're afraid of this contract? I said, yes, sir, I'm afraid of these contracts. 
he said, here's a lesson, son. And he, was, he was an older <laughs> gentleman. I was younger at the time. He said, here's a lesson, son. Something scares you. You run right to it. Get nose to nose with it. Just pick the biggest fight with it you can have. I love it. He said, I love it. And by the end of the end of the struggle, you ain't be afraid of it anymore. And you'll, you'll, you'll find out that that dragon it ain't as big and bad as you thought it was. Probably nine times out of 10, it ain't, it ain't nothing. It wasn't nothing. It was all in your head. So I've done that my whole life. Awesome, man. So I know that you, you have an education platform as well. You have a podcast. You have students uh, nationwide. What, what are some of the common denominators that you see uh, with all your successful students? What are, what are some of the things that There's, they all have in common? Not even a doubt. Not even a doubt. Um, work ethics beyond. You have mm. to put up more numbers than you think. If you think you're going to go out and call on a couple of houses and buy a house, you're, you know, you're living in fantasy land. These people that are being successful are putting out 30, 40, 50, 80, 100 uh, offers a week or, or, or you know, in a relatively short period of time. They're putting out a lot of offers. You know? and, and even though they only buy one or two or three that month out of 400 offers that they made, um, those offers are still floating out there and they start to compound because it's just like mailings. You want to mail for one month or two months. It's not going to work. You've got to mail right. for a year and yep. you've got to plan to be in the game for a year because by the end of the year, some of those people who got your very first mailing 12 months ago, it's going they to call go, you. They, they're going to finally have reached the end of their rope or, or met their circumstance. Love well, it. the event has now happened and they're ready, you mm -hmm. know, so not only do you have to stay with it, but you have to, you have to stay in touch with them, not in an annoying way, but in just enough, like every three weeks, every four weeks, just, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. They're called touches, right? Yep. And we buy our houses. We have strict records on this and my records are falling in pretty with much with what the national people say. We're buying our houses between the eighth and the 12th touch. The, the eighth and 12th time we knock on their door that we send them a text that we, put out an email or send them mm -hmm. just want to send this contract out again in the mail, like a real physical contract. Wow. Man. That's so awesome. I would say chaos, you know, live where there's chaos and learn how to figure out where the real estate in transition is or the people that own real estate are in transition. Right. Learn how to establish value without a doubt and be, do it quickly. And then uh, know your paperwork and be comfortable with your paperwork because it all starts with the, contract that two parties sign that's where it starts you know yeah absolutely so you you got three books um you stuck with the same title per se but they have different subtitles why did you end up uh, you know i'm going to tell you exactly why i i was trying to take a page out of kiyosaki's book the guy's rich dad poor dad everything so mm -hmm. i was going to be my life in a thousand houses everything and he stayed with his color scheme. He's purple and yellow. I picked my color schemes the same, yellow and red, you know what I mean? And black, you know? Love it. So I, I thought, there's a guy that, you know, I wish I was. I wish I was that guy as far as this book, you know, the way that he's had success with his books and the way he's known. So I just tried to take a page out of his book. Now, was it smart or not? I don't know, because every time I said, <laughs> what book did you read? Oh, My Life in a Thousand Houses. Like, nobody talks to me in subtitles, you know? <laughs> So, so, but, but, but that could be good yeah. because if everyone's staying my life in a thousand houses, no matter which book they read, that, that moniker has got to be going through the roof, right? Mm -hmm. At least, at least three times instead of one time. You got one book, my life in a thousand houses, 
anyways, you get my point. Yeah, absolutely. So while we're on the topic of books, do you have a favorite book that you've gone through over the years? What book changed your life? Yeah, it's called the Holy Bible. And everything that was ever written was based on it. Anything that was any good for you, it was already written about 2,000 years ago. Okay, so all this, you know, how to be a success and how to, it was all written 2,000 years ago in, in, Dave, in uh, Ramsey and, and, and uh, what's the guy, how to influence people, Zig Ziglar, all, all the people, all they've been doing is taking those same concepts, the secret, yep. the secret, send out a thing to the universe. That's called a prayer, okay? It's called a <laughs> A wish and a prayer. It, the only difference between the secret and my beliefs is, is in the secret, they're sending out their, 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 their wishes to the universe. To the universe. I'm sending mine out to the guy who I believe made it, okay, to made the universe. That's the only difference. It's still the same. It's an affirmation, you know, and it's scientific and psychological qualities are all the same. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you want to know how to be successful, how to conduct yourself, or have business line up outside your door. Just, just practice the Ten Commandments and what it says in there. Now, if somehow that offends you or something, then you can go read these other books. But they're basing it on principles from that were written way before all that. Yeah, I'm an avid Bible reader myself, man. So I, I concur with that. I'm not saying that I'm an avid theologian. I'm probably not. I probably know more about. I do know more about real estate than I know about the Bible, but I know enough to know. That's fair. You know what I mean, I know yeah. enough to know. Absolutely, man. So, so what, what's your advice right now to uh, beginning real estate investors in the current market and the economy that we're currently in? And then you can follow that up with uh, experienced investors. So whether they're beginning or experienced, what, what, would, what would that advice be for, for individuals right now? What do you think is the best way for them to approach the market? You got to learn how to raise private money because private money is the key to being. I mean, you can make a good living having partners and doing this stuff and begging and borrowing for money and all this stuff. But the difference between making a great living and being a multi, 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 multi millionaire is being able to buy anything you deem necessary or mm -hmm. worth it. Awesome, just, man. Just, you know, I can buy anything I want to because I, I have been borrowing money and paying money back to private people forever. I have $22 million worth of private money and I've slowed down because that's a lot to keep out. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, I don't really, but when you're understand this, when you're seller financing homes, you need more money at your disposal than if you're yeah. just doing flips, because if you're doing a flip, you borrow grandma's money and it's out for eight months and then you give grandma the money back right. and then you do it again. You do it. You, potentially you could flip the whole town with, you know, two or $300,000, right. You know, just going in and out. Well, when you're seller financing houses and you make it, I, I do something pretty unique. I make 30 year fixed mortgages to my buyers. I, there is no balloon. With private money. I don't want a balloon. I want these people to go the whole 30 years. Cause you know how much they pay for that house. Three they times, four times. Our house, they pay yeah. 280, 290, almost three times yep. for that house. And that's if they pay on time. Right. And if they don't pay off, pay early. That's why banks get rich, man. That's how banks get rich through yeah, the well, interest. That's, that's be the bank, Mitch Steven. That's my little <laughs> name. Be the bank, Steven. Uh, if you listen to my podcast. Um, so learn how to raise private money. It might, I'm borrowing money at, I'm paying, this is what I'm paying my private lenders. And I give them a first lien on the property, mm -hmm. one person per property. So you either get paid what we agree upon or you get my house. 
And here's the kicker. And these are I, accredited investors, right? Or are no, they? They don't no? have okay. to be because I'm just a single person borrowing on a single piece of property gotcha. and I'm pledging the property as collateral. And if I don't pay you, you get the collateral. Yep. Now, a lot of people say, well, I might have to go to court and get people like, look, if I can't pay you, I'll walk the deed over to you. Right. <laughs> because this is what, when Here I'm raising go. private money, get this. This is what right. I tell them. I have the right every day of my life to make one of two decisions concerning the money that you're loaning me. I can pay you as agreed, the interest rate on time, whatever date we agree, and how many times I'm supposed to pay you. I can pay you as agreed, or I can simply walk this deed over to you and say, I don't want it anymore. So if you don't like this piece of collateral that you're loaning me the money on, don't do it. Right. That's why I only borrow a maximum of 65% against my owner finance value or, my, or the value of my property. And then that's the max I will borrow. I average only borrowing 55% from my lenders and I give them a first lien on a house. So on a $100,000 house, my lenders are only in, have only loaned me 55,000. And if I don't pay them, they get the $100,000 house. Do you see how it gets easier to borrow yeah. money? Yeah. It's not about me. It's about the deal. Who gives a crap about me? So learn how, when you're in the owner finance strategy, I'm trying to get longer money. I don't need six month money, 12 month money. I can't use 18 month money. Right. I gotta have a minimum of five years, preferably 15. Can settle on 10 if I have to. So I'm paying 8% interest only for five years. Or I'm paying 9% for a 10 year amortized loan. And, and I'm paying 10% yeah. for a 15 year amortized loan. So 8% interest only, nine for, and that's for five years, yeah. 9% for 10 years, and that's- 10% uh, uh, for 15 years. 10% for 15 years. The last two loans are not interest only though, like you said, the no. nine and the 10%. So those are, that's- uh, uh, Fully amortized loan, like my debt amortized, will be paid. Right. And then my people still are paying me for 30 years, and they're usually paying twice what I owe. Correct. So after X amount of time, I don't have a payment, and the people in my house, on, in theory, still owe me. Now, here's what's going to happen. The average mortgage in America lasts seven and a half years, mm -hmm. maybe eight and a half nowadays. Maybe in my neighborhood, to the people that I'm seller financing to, maybe they're not as likely to be able to go out and refi. So maybe my notes last 10 years. Maybe. Okay? So you can sell 30-year notes all you want to. Right. And this is one of the problems with, not problems, but this is one of the things you need to be aware of if you're going to do the seller financing strategy, you're going to have a whole bunch of notes. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I average $500 profit per note spread between what I owe and what I collect. I average, I actually average 535, but for easy math, let's just say 500. Okay. And I got 300 notes. Nice. <laughs> so I'm collecting $150,000 a month, right? But if I rest on my laurels and live high on that right now, I'm going to wake up within 10 years and there ain't going to be any notes left. Right. Because they're going to all have paid me off. Now, I've gotten lump sums during that period of time, big lump mm -hmm. sums. But so what you have to do is uh, you have to take the money that you make from the one-time flip, the one-time cash, and I'm quoting Jack Bosch, one-time cash. That's a flip. Got it, fixed it, sold it, got a check, done. Mm -hmm. Okay, one-time cash. Uh, and temporary cash is what I do. Bought it, 
Got a down payment, woohoo, 10,000, 15,000 bucks. And I got 500 bucks coming in for a long time. I got income stream, but it's gonna expire. Those notes have an end date, they're temporary. Right. Okay? So you have to take the, the cash you make one time and in the temporary strategies, and you have to take that wealth that you build and you have to put it into a forever strategy. And what's forever? Apartment complexes, because rent goes on forever. There is no end to rent. Right. I don't really like apartment complexes myself, not to say that billionaires haven't been made with apartment complexes. I prefer mini storages and boat storages on dry land because there's an idiot can run that business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool, man. So, so obviously you have a podcast as well. And, you know, I was on that podcast just a couple of years ago, as I've mentioned before. Now, for those of you who, who'd like to check out uh, Mitch's podcast, where, where can they go for, for that? Po- What's the name of that podcast again? Uh, it's reinvestorsummit.com. But here's the thing. Just go to 1000houses.com, 1000houses.com. You see the podcast. You can get a free copy Everything. of my book if you'll just pay the shipping. There's so much free stuff there. It's not funny. You can see my blog. If I got something, you'll, you can figure it out from 1000houses.com. Awesome. 1000houses, 100, and that's the physical number, 1000houses.com. Check out what Mitch is doing. You know, it, it's a... Uh, it's pretty incredible that he's been able to, to buy a house on average every four to five days for the last 24 years, over 2,000 houses purchased, three books written, and just absolutely crushing it. In his and I book. have the scars to prove it. <laughs> and the scars to prove it. So he has the battle scars. So guys, there's a lot of guys out there talking, but in my opinion, talk is cheap. Mitch is actually doing. And uh, like he said, he has, the, he has those battle scars to prove it. So definitely check them out at 1000houses.com. And uh, any last words for our listeners here, Mitch? What, what, what would be the- I like to say, we've been talking a lot of smack around here and I've been throwing out some numbers, but the honest God's truth is I was, I'm just a regular guy. I, I was scared as everybody else trying to figure out how I was going to fit in. You know, I found a place to fit in. I thank God that I have my place and I'm really thankful that I have a business where I don't only get to serve myself, but I'm helping people that are desperate to get rid of things. I'm helping people that are desperate to have a piece of the American dream and have a home because owning your own home is so important to the family and to the infrastructure of this country or any country for that matter. And this country, um, the, the middle class is having a little bit harder time right now finding, being able to get ownership. And, and, and certainly some of the immigrants are having a, uh, have always had a hard time getting ownership. So I'm able to help on a lot of different fronts. Mm-hmm. And so I feel good that, that my business not only makes me a great living, but I help a lot. Of, I can help a lot of people along the way. I'm helping the elderly or the, or because most of the people that loan me money are, are over 65. Right. So you're helping them make some money. Yeah, making some money without a huge risk. Like I've never, you know, we talked about I could hand you the deed back, but I've never given a deed back in my career ever. 22, 2,000 whatever houses and $22 million in and out all the time, whatever. I've never given anyone back a deed or filed bankruptcy or filed chapter seven or filed chapter 13 because there's no reason to. There's too much money. The, the things that'll get you in trouble is number one, is where you don't have integrity. Because if you don't have integrity, you're gonna get in lawsuits. Lawsuits are lawsuits can kill you. 
Yep. You know, kill your business, kill your everything, kill your reputation, all that. Yep. Number two, you can't over leverage. And I'm only borrowing 65% max and averaging like 55, 58% LTV or loan to value. So I, I'm hardly, I'm, I'm really under what most people would borrow. And then you got to conform with some um, state and federal regulations or laws that may apply to you in your state and your and in the nation, you know, like Dodd Frank and stuff. So, so you got to just stay with those three things. And if you can, if you can stay um, reasonable and stay in those three categories, then you should have a long life. And let's say, just going back to the Dodd Frank uh, situation, I know that I believe the average investor who does these types of deals can only do what is it up to three a year in certain well, areas? Well, it depends. Mm -hmm. Federally, it says three. The state mm -hmm. of Texas says five. Gotcha. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does state over, override federal? Right. Well, I figured it out. I talked to the Carolina Jones of the Mortgage and Saving, Savings Loan Commission. She's the head commissioner. And I asked her one day, I says, how is it Dodd-Frank says three years, but you're, you're telling Texas we can do five years? She said, Mitch, it's because in Dodd-Frank it says, if your state doesn't address the issue and name a number, then it's going to be three. Well, right. Texas did name a number. They named five. Okay? And that means you can do five without a license or without having a licensed RMLO, residential mortgage loan originator, in between you. So you either have to be licensed or you have to have a licensed person stand between you and your buyer for a certain period of time and give all the disclosures if you're going to do five or more. Right. It doesn't mean you're limited to five. It just means do you need to be licensed or have someone licensed? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. And even whether you, you're licensed or have to be licensed or not licensed, you still have to give certain disclosures. So that's where Having a mentor like me, I can shortcut all that for you. I already right. been through all this. I already had all the lawyers. I haven't talked to all the think tanks across the country and everybody who's on their finance. And I shortcut all that for you. Mm -hmm. I like to, to purchase creatively and then sell on, let's say, a lease option. Now, in Texas, obviously, we can't, you know, it's done differently in Texas. So in Texas, we do you know, own a finance stuff in like Houston and other areas like well, that. But Outside of Texas, I like to do the, the, the rent to own. I think that that's pretty beneficial as well. Yeah, lease options in Texas, they, you know, if you go over six months, they want to deem it as a sale. Right. There's ways to deal with that. You know, Ron LeGrand, you know, there's ways to deal with it. But the, 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 what, I, what my conclusion is, though, I just go straight to a mortgage and need a trust and I put myself as a lien holder. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a mortgage company would do. Because Texas, Texas has such a fantastic foreclosure system that you don't really need to worry about the foreclosure process. Right. Now you go to other states like Florida or New York or California, you can't hardly get a person out of your house. That's right. If they want to lawyer up. Especially in New York, man, you got to, I mean, you got, you're in three months before you can even, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult really, especially in New York. It is difficult, man. I know that. I just uh, had that conversation. A lady called me when I said she want to own her finances of where you live. She said, New York. I said, <laughs> no, thank you. you. Want to own her finance houses. She said, New York. I said, I don't know, man. Yeah. We need to yeah. Talk about someplace else, man. But we need to talk about the flyover states, you know, that the states that just haven't quite lost their mind yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. But Hey Mitch, it's, it's been a real pleasure. 
having you on board today. If you had to recommend a book for, for everyone to read today, what would that book be? You know, I really liked uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. I love that book. You know, it just describes what it, yeah. how, how to have a very successful business for a very long time. And it's just some principles that if you can live by those principles, you know, you'll, 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 you'll do well and you should prosper. Awesome. And it's not about being the richest guy in the room. It's about being the happiest. And a lot of times if you could have more money than you have, but if that brings you multiples of more problems, then why would you want the extra money? Like there's a balance between this. Right. I'll link that book in the description for you guys. If you're on YouTube, uh, if you're listening on a podcast, it'll be on the YouTube page on this video with, with uh, Mitch Stephen. And uh, I'll link it in the description under Audible so you can get an Audible trial. But check out The Richest Man in Babylon. I went through that book multiple times. Absolutely love that book. And the principles that the book teaches is for everyday life, even right now, for you to be able to know how to handle your money the right way. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, and also, are you on Audible with, with the uh, Thousand Houses books? I am, but, but the, um, the, 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 oh, My Life in a Thousand Houses, The Art of Owner Financing, had so many numbers in it that it wasn't, it wasn't going to be good as an Audible. Gotcha. It would be like reading a spreadsheet, you know what I gotcha. mean? So, so I just did the first two in Audible. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll link Mitch's books below as well. If you guys want to check those out, are, are they on Amazon? They are. Yeah. And I also have digital copies. You know, if you go to my website, you can get digital gotcha. copies. So Perfect. Perfect. Actually, if you go to my website, you can order them too. They'll be a little bit cheaper. And everything that comes out of my office is autographed if that means anything to you. Perfect. I, I never thought anyone in the whole wide world would ever want my autograph. But apparently, if you write a book, people want you to sign it. And they don't yeah. care if you're not famous or not. Awesome, man. It's been a real pleasure having you, my friend. And uh, looking forward to doing this again sometime in the near future. And uh, guys, it has been a pleasure serving you today as well. It's Jamel Gibbs. I'm signing off. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash Jamel Gibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to REI Education Academy. Dot com, and that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.